Hi, it's Michael Waits. I want to welcome Pin to the Social Innovation Podcast. Pin, do you want to give us a little bit of background on you? Sure. Hi, uh, Michael. This is Pin Satit Pananapan. Uh, thanks very much for your time today. Uh, just a uh, quick uh, information uh, about myself. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm originally born and raised in Thailand, and uh, I finished my undergrad uh, at Thammasat University. Uh, I did uh, a business uh, as my bachelor degree. Uh, after that, uh, I started my career uh, working in investment banking at Bangkok Bank uh, for three years. Uh, really learned a lot, great experience, and then I decided to um, join a real estate development company. Because uh, I wanted to try something new, um, I worked there for two years, and then I decided to go to the U.S. Uh, to pursue my MBA at the Yale School of Management. Um, I graduated from Yale um, with my MBA in 2016, and after that, uh, I moved to Washington D.C. to work for an impact investment fund uh, called Calvert Impact Capital uh, for about a year or so. After that, I moved back to Thailand. Um, at the beginning of this year, around the end of February, and uh, spent some time uh, working with uh, an early stage social enterprise. And I'm, I'm currently uh, during a, a transition and uh, I'm relocating to, to Manila uh, to start a new position with the Asian Development Bank in, in two weeks. That is super. I want to back up a little bit and ask you, so after your experiences at Bangkok Bank and in the real estate development company, you decided to go to Yale, so to go from living in Bangkok to living in New Haven, Connecticut, the two very right. different places. And, you know, Thammasat, premier university in Thailand, Yale, obviously part of the Ivy League in the United States. What were some of the differences? Like, how do you think it compared being at Yale, getting an MBA there? Mm -hmm. What were just some of the differences and some of the impact on the way sort of you perceived the business world that you gained by leaving Thailand and going to school in the U.S.? Right. So um, at, at that time, I, I felt um, that um, doing my MBA, doing an MBA was something I wanted to do. And uh, when you talk about an MBA, I feel like the uh, the, the market in the U.S. are is uh, like more uh, more mature uh, in terms of businesses and you know technology. Um, so I decided to go to the U.S. and the major uh, differences that I found compared to education system in Thailand is that um, oh actually uh, when I went to Tamasat I study in the international program. Got it. So all classes were um, taught in English except for a Thai language class, of course. <laughs> um, so I was uh, the main difference is that uh, in the U.S. Um, especially within the MBA program. Um, there's a lot of classroom discussions and most of the students are uh, very, very active uh, in terms of class participation. And uh, there are lots of pre-class readings and uh, cases, which I felt a little bit struggle at the beginning because in, in Thailand, uh, I mean, uh, not a lot of a lot of readings required for a class. Mo most of the classes in Thailand are lecture based. Right. With uh, like some case studies, um, I was fortunate to 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 went to uh, uh, to Tamasat for my uh, BBA or Bachelor of Business Administration. I think it prepped me well uh, because um, the professors um, like uh, we actually like did a lot of, of case uh, studies and uh, presentation in Thailand. But the level of uh, and the dynamic in classroom in the in the US, I, it was very um, it was at another level. And I, I, I had to adjust uh, qu quite a lot. 
Um, and I'm, I think it's pretty uh, common for students in Thailand who 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 pursue uh, their uh, their their MBA or other grad uh, graduate programs in the U.S. I guess another difference is that uh, when when I did my undergrad, I focused on classroom, and then I uh, I did uh, lots of extracurricular activities. Um, so there were uh, not a lot of stuff on the plate. But then right. when I went to the U.S., uh, there were like so many things that I have to prioritize. Uh, like I had to the the coursework uh, was very intensive, and then I had to spend time on recruiting and prepare myself for interview. Um, I wanted to you know spend uh, time with my uh, classmates uh, to to develop relationship, and I also want to do some travel. <laughs> so <laughs> right. uh, if if I had to say uh, like one of the things that I learned from 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 an MBA is about prioritization. Right. So one of the things that a lot of MBA students tell me, particularly foreign students that go to the United States, is that definitely that class participation module is just difficult to get used to. Westerners, right. we take it for granted that there's going to be not just a discussion, but a heated discussion. In other words, in class, I'm allowed to disagree with you and still be your friend. And once class is over, we just go get a beer together or go sit you know, and get some pizza together. But for students from Thailand and from Japan and you know, from the, this region, that part of the class actually becomes really difficult, along with the readings, like you said, voluminous reading mm -hmm. in a language that's not your native language is just hard work, right? So time management becomes something that's really important. I guess one of the other things I want to follow up with you on is before you went to business school, you did sort of very classic style business administration style jobs, like you worked in investment banking, you said at Bangkok Bank, another premier institution in Thailand, you worked at a real estate development company. So very sort of you know, classic capitalistic companies. And then when you graduated from Yale, you went into social impact investing. So what was it about social impact investing that interested you? And then in DC, which is sort of very like focused on impact politics, all that type of stuff. What was it about that happened to you when you were in the States that made you want to go into social impact investing? Right. So when I apply for my MBA, I didn't really know what I wanted to do uh, in the future, but I thought that uh, I would take the, the 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 time during those two years of MBA uh, to explore opportunities and to find out what I wanted to do in the future. And uh, it was actually at Yale that I had uh, that I had discovered that I had learned about impact investing. Um, I never heard about impact investing before I really? went to the U.S. I mean, I did a lot of like rural development camps uh, when I was in Thailand and lots of, you know, like charity concerts, uh, flood uh, relief uh, efforts. But I, I knew about nonprofit, but I just didn't know that uh, impact investing uh, exists. And when I went to Yale, uh, SOM, especially at SOM, we have a pretty strong uh, network and uh, of students and alumni, as well as like student interest in the nonprofit and impact investing. Right. Um, so with with that, during my time there, um, there are lots of club activities and classes and hands-on uh, consulting assignments that you could uh, participate in. It was at Yale uh, during my second year when I took a class called uh, the Global Social Entrepreneurship. Uh, during which I, I did a consulting project uh, in a group of five uh, with a social enterprise in India. In India? And, yes, correct. Did you go to India to do the internship or? 
So uh, the, the, the class uh, was uh, in the U.S. Uh, it's a semester-long uh, class. But then our uh, partner, Social Enterprise, is based in India. In the middle of the, uh, in the, middle of the course, we, uh, we had a two-week uh, mandatory field visit to go and work with the Social Enterprise uh, closely uh, in India. So I spent two weeks in Kolkata uh, working with my right, with, working with the founders, and I got really inspired and impressed by like these passionate and hardworking people. Uh, this is something that really struck me. It was that um, they, um, this organization that I work with, they have been in the like the solar energy for last my farmers for almost ten years. Uh, they they train. What's the name of it? The social enterprise that I work with is called Organic. The solar energy, the or the umbrella organization is called Energy. So this organization they work with uh, like farmers in terms of uh, not only providing the solar energy, but also they train these farmers to do organic farming. But uh, once they work uh, more and more with farmers, they realize that uh, providing energy to access alone couldn't help uh, these farmers to get out of a property cycle. So they decided to start uh, an e-commerce business that connect uh, farmers that grow um, organic produce uh, with um, customers in major cities. And what, what they said was that they didn't know how to run in an e-commerce business, but they knew that it was the right thing. So they knew that it was the right thing to do, right? Yeah. So they did it anyway. So I was like, wow, if these people can do it, then I could do it too. Right. So I came back. It was um, in my second semester of my second year. And that was when I decided that I would shift my career focus into impact investing. Because uh, I, I thought that given my background in banking and uh, my, my passion for to help people getting out of poverty, I could see uh, impact investing as a great uh, intersection and something that I could would enjoy doing at least for the next um, uh, in the next five or ten years. Right. Um, and then I I started recruiting. I reached out to a lot of people uh, in my in my network. And thanks to my classmates and alumni who 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 were very supportive, um, I was uh, lucky enough to land uh, a job at first as an intern uh, at Coward Impact Capital, and later on got um, joined them as a full time staff. So, what was it like every day being an impact investor? What kind of deal flow did you see? What was the expected outcome? What did you learn by working with people in the United States about what their perception was of impact investing? Just to give you a little bit of uh, uh, idea about Coward Impact Capital, mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, an impact investment fund. Uh, they manage the portfolio of uh, around, I believe their portfolio was 375 million US dollars at the okay. end of uh June 2018, it was around 300 something. Yeah, when I when I when I was there, um, and then uh, Coward invest in nine different impact sectors from. You know, like community development to affordable housing, microfinance, um, healthcare, education—very, very diverse portfolio. And uh, thirty percent of their portfolio is um, international. Um, so I was in the risk management department. So my main responsibles responsibilities uh, were on um, uh, credit risk score, uh, credit review, and um, uh, other um, credit uh, uh, problem loan management. But I was also, since it was a very small organization, there were around 30 people when I joined. Mm -hmm. 
I was also a part of the impact measurement working group that uh, helped define like the new impact strategy at Calvert. Regarding the the impact investment um, industry in the U.S., I felt that um, uh, one thing that I I, I noticed is that uh, is in terms of awareness about impact investment option. Like we consider it's about education. People in the states, um, like nowadays, impact investments uh, has become like more and more mainstream. I mean, like people, even like uh, financial advisor or asset managers or even like general public, they talk about impact investments. They they know that uh, this kind of you know investment option actually exists. But in Thailand, very like very few people know about impact investment. I guess we are probably in Thailand. We are probably ten or twenty years behind the U.S. in terms of the impact. I think it, I think it probably feels like ten or twenty, but I think <laughs> things probably move a little bit faster than they have in the past. You're probably right. Right, probably like right. Five to, five to seven years behind. But now that you're back here, now that you're back here, what mm-hmm. do you what do you perceive as the difference, and why do you think it is further behind in impact investing, and how do you think it can change over time? Hmm. I think it's just uh, maybe it's just a matter of the the average. I would say maybe the average income uh, level of people. Um, right, so the GDP um, per capita in the U- right right in right? the US so. and people. So I feel like in the US there there are lots of money managed by fund manager, wealth manager, or family offices and foundation. Uh, Why in Thailand, if you want to invest, you either like put in stock, equity, mutual funds, or 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 bank savings, right? Um, so I think with, with that, um, in terms of uh, the money or capital that could potentially be channeled to uh, these, you know, mission-driven organizations, um, people try to find. I guess people try to find like new assets class uh, that would, you know, they feel like they already make enough money, so they want to do something good in the society. And uh, I guess the maybe the misconception here, uh, or or. Uh, in terms of impact investment, people might not understand what it is, but actually people know about philanthropy, right? You make donation, do you get tax deductible? But right. when when people come and talk to you like, hey, do you know that you can invest in, you know, like mission-driven organization that help poor people, but you can also get some financial return, they would be surprised right. <laughs> probably to hear that. One of the things you mentioned was that when you were at Calvert, you worked on some of their initiatives about how companies can report what they're actually doing, what the impact of that impact investing is. And I think this is a big concern for people, right? In mm-hmm. other words, if I'm just making a financial investment, it's pretty clear from the quarterly reports if my finances have changed from quarter to quarter. Has, has sales grown? Has you know customers grown? Have my regions grown? All these things are easily measurable. Calvert also publishes an annual, I'm guessing, report on what the impact has been. So how do you do that? And then how do you convince companies outside the United States or particularly in Thailand that while the financial returns are easily measurable, that there's also a necessity to measure the social impact or just the impact that they're having? How's that progressing? So I guess in terms of the measurable uh, outcome or impact, we all know that uh, the the end goal that we try to achieve is to 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 reduce the income inequality and to help people to have a better living uh, livelihood, right? But that that's the outcome that we want to see. But in order to measure the outcome, it's pretty like difficult and expensive to measure. How um, there are some there are a number of like academic research paper 
that measure the impact, like by doing a randomized control trial to compare, you know, like the outcome um, of, you know, like compare by comparing maybe uh, different groups uh, with with the intervention or with the any like, you know, like new product or innovation with the group that is called like control group in which there's no intervention. And there's actually it's proven that like by by measure some sort of uh, output metric, for example, uh, mm-hmm. the number of, you know, like the, the amount of loan dispersed or the number of loan dispersed um, actually have like, you know, like uh, correlate with uh, better uh, living quality. So, but it's very expensive. Say like the, the income of the farmer has increased by 10, 20%. It's very difficult um, and uh, like time consuming and resource constrained to do it. So we report by using outcome metrics instead, such as you know, like the portfolio disperse, uh, how many families they have helped. And uh, in the U.S., I think the conversation nowadays is, right, is more like most of the investees or organizations, they already like done some sort of uh, impact measurement and like metric collections. Um, it's not like standardized or it's difficult to compare across organization because they might use different metrics or they may have different definitions for each metric calculation so the effort in the u.s is more uh, like to to focus on standardizations and there are um, uh, organizations such as the gin the global uh, impact investing network uh, and other uh, stakeholders that come together in a working group and come up with you know, like the, the uh, standardized metric. So people uh, at, at covered, um, as you can see from their uh, annual impact report, mm-hmm. uh, they use uh, impact uh, metrics from IRIS, uh, which is um, managed by the GIN. And uh, there are also like other uh, industry uh, best practices for metrics, such as uh, ARIS, A-E-R-I-S, which is like a, a data service so uh, data provider uh, service provider for um, community development financial situ- institution mm-hmm. um, so we, we try to uh, like align uh, metrics that we collect from uh, our investees uh, with the industry standard in industry standard because uh, we want to be able to aggregate the overall impact of all of the investee in the portfolio and say like this is um, the impact uh, la- uh, made possible by you know, like capital that we have um, provide uh, or support our, uh, the organization that we work with. Um, however, in Thailand, uh, from from my experience and conversation, and I just went to um, a session, a national dialogue on like shaping uh, the future of impact investment in Thailand, um, hosted by the UNDP, right. and it looks like most of the the social enterprises in Thailand they still uh, they they don't really do um, impact measurement. I guess they're because of it's because of a uh, couple of reasons. Maybe they don't have the resource to do. Why is it so hard to measure? Right. In other words, why is it so hard for them right. to document and measure this stuff? Why is it right. so expensive? Particularly in a country where mm. human resources are abundant and the cost of hiring people is not that high. Mm-hmm. I guess for social enterprises, it's probably like one social entrepreneur who come up with great idea and then they want to start a company. So initially they might have, you know, like small team and they might be focusing on getting the business up and running. 
So measuring the impact might not be one of their priorities. Right, However, so it's a from, for them a little bit, yeah. Right, they might not be familiar with the concept and the framework of how to do impact measurement because no one teach this in, in school, right? It's not like accounting or finance. Um, so that could be under one of the reasons. But from the investor perspective, uh, when we consider like investment and uh, pipeline, we usually ask for like, oh, what do you expect to be like, what, what's the impact that you expect to see, let's say in five years? Right. And by having like uh, a, a a decent like impact measurement framework and historical impact data it would help the like the investor and actually like the the public to to see your your progress and it's actually a way for the organization to measure whether uh, what they are doing uh, whether something that they are doing is whether they are achieving the outcome that they expect or they if expect. they are right right so but if you look at this, you said you're at a UNDP event, right, where they were talking mm-hmm. about documentation and about measurement as well. What's right. your, how does this fit into the UNDP's sort of 17 development goals, first of all, but also second of all, what role can or should the United Nations Development Program play in supporting these sort of socially innovating entrepreneurs and maybe help them create a framework for measurement that can be standardized, as you mentioned. In other words, what should their role be or can it be? So I, I think there are um, different uh, stakeholders in the impact investment space, right? Uh, we have like social enterprises mm-hmm. uh, who are investees. We have funders who could be uh, impact investors, uh, development financial institutions, foundations, in invest like uh, private investors. Uh, we have a, uh, let's say, like the UNDP who acts uh, more like a facilitator um, to, to help build the, the impact investment ecosystem. Um, so I think what they're trying to do is to help uh, in terms of, you know, like to, to reconvene uh, people who are just like the, the email that they did help reconvene people who are passionate and about impact investment and want to see impact investment move forward uh, in Thailand to come together and have a conversation to brainstorm right. about challenges, opportunities, and how we all could help um, grow the impact investment space uh, in the country. Do you think it makes sense? So I was just thinking about, you mentioned earlier, right? So it's not like accounting, but in account, the accounting world has been pretty good about creating mm-hmm. something you know called GAP, right? Globally Accepted Accounting Principles. And right. GAP changes periodically as economies change and as sort of technology changes and our ability to create, you know, accepted standardized measurements change in the business world. And at some level, there's going to have to be this sort of merging of the concept of GAP, some globally mm. accepted something. And do you think right. it makes sense to work in conjunction with the UNDP, their development goals, and then create a sort of standardized way to evaluate and measure the impact so you can create sort of a gap for impact investing, right? Because you, it's complicated because you have two factors. One is I'm investing money and I want some financial return for sure. So right. I want to see some growth. But as part of that growth, I want to see community impact. I want to see family impact, educational impact, clean air and mm. clean water impact, female empowerment, for lack of a better term, impact. I want to see all these things happen but there has to be a better way to measure it, right? 
Um, I think in terms of like impact measurement in Thailand, um, there are already industry standards in for metrics as I mean, and as I mentioned before, whether it's with Iris or Aris or other other metrics. Like I, I think the the importance here, the focus here, rather than trying to reinventing the new like the whole wheel or mm-hmm. it, trying to come up with new things, we should probably be focusing on education or try to like to to build capacity of social entrepreneurs and organizations so that they know maybe like train them about impact measurement frameworks and these are you know like these are the metrics or industry practices that standards that you can look into right then maybe try to align the incentive of the organization because I feel that uh, currently uh, these organizations, they might view that impact measurement is actually their extra, uh, you know, like work, extra burden. But actually, it's something that it's the core of why they actually exist because they want to make an impact, right? right? And if they don't measure or don't collect any data on impact, then how do you know that you actually make an impact that you hope to do? Right. And it's actually beneficial for them in the future if they plan to approach investors um so i guess it's more on the education piece rather than like building the new set of metrics yeah fair enough and i guess that brings up sort of one of my final questions is if you look at the undp development goals but also if you look at companies like calvert right that have sort of industry or vertical focuses from your perspective when you're thinking about impact investing and social innovation what are the sectors that keep you most interested? In other words, what do you think about the most when you think about having impact? Is it on education? Is it sort of gender equality? What are the things that are most important to you? I don't really have a investor. Um, no, sorry. I don't really have industry, a specific industry interests, but I felt that it, yet, I, but I felt that uh, anything that would help people to have better li- uh, livelihood and better uh, life quality uh, that's something that I would like to help with. I don't think it's any um, accident that the UNDP's first or its number one goal is to eliminate poverty, right? And that's something that you mentioned earlier as well, is sort of breaking the cycle of poverty. That's got to be the first step in making everybody's life better. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, it's okay. But you were talking about this. So I asked you what your what your sort of vertical preferences were. And you said you don't have one in particular, but you do mm. think that sort of breaking that cycle of poverty is important. And I agree with you too. And I think the UN mm-hmm. agrees as well. I, I, I mean, if, if you, um, but, uh, like, I mean, if you ask about my preference, right, uh, by, by joining the, uh, like DADB, uh, the right. majority of their projects are infrastructure. And I, I think my interest uh, is that um, even though I don't have a lot of exposure in infrastructure, uh, but I feel that uh, with this, like, you know, like last scale projects, it would help a great number of people to have better access to, to products and services that would help improve their, their, their life. If you ask like about the, the interest or, uh, my, 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 the, the area that I would hope to, uh, hope to, hope to learn or uh, develop my expertise, uh, it mm-hmm. would be, uh, uh, infrastructure. However, I think it depends on the organization because, it, for for the ADB, they are the development financial institution, right? So they have like more capital to finance large projects. Right. While if you look at like other organizations, such as um, like other 
uh, impact investment fund or um, they might have uh, you know like smaller small smaller pocket day so the diff the so the type of projects that they invest at the stage of the organization would would be different that makes sense it makes perfect sense. Look, I don't want to take up much more of your time. It's been a very interesting conversation. I do want to say this, though. I think you're coming up to another very interesting part of your life. I don't want to get into too much detail about it. But I think taking the sum total of your experience, again, investment banking, real estate, um, particularly the internship that you did and the sort of face-to-face -face study in Calcutta and the experiences that you had there, social impact investing in Washington, D.C., and then coming back to Thailand and doing some work in the same space. Now, moving on to a big sort of very impactful institution like the ADB, I think should give you a very interesting experience. And I look forward to talking privately to you about like what that is like, because I think that that's going to be another sort of life-changing event for you. And I just want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been really fascinating. Thank you, Michael. It was great speaking with you. And uh, thanks again for this opportunity. It's my pleasure.